Welcome back, everyone, to Natural 19, the podcast that's not perfect, but it's still pretty good. I'm here today with a good friend of mine, Ethan Rundell. Ethan, say hi to the audience. Hi, audience. Okay, great. Uh, now we're done. <laughs> that's see you next week. No, that um, was the joke. The whole this whole thing was a joke for a setup for a joke. Okay. Um, so, Ethan, uh, let's talk a little bit about how we we met. I think we actually met before D and D. We did. Uh, we met through theater. Yes. I was in a show that you had written, mm. but you did not direct. And I had seen you in shows before that, actually. Had you? I didn't know that, actually. I was about to say, I don't think you actually knew that, but I've seen you in various uh, theatrical works at Rowan uh, and kind of in that kind of circle. I only did one show at Rowan. (laughs) This is entirely irrelevant. (laughs) Uh, So let's skip ahead to the good part where uh, you did a show of mine and then... Uh, a story that many people will tell, which I posted on Facebook basically saying, hey, I'm going to start doing pickup games of D&D at the local comic shop. Uh, who's in? I was probably one of the first people to say, I'm totally down. Yeah. Because I had just recently gotten interested in D&D, and I just didn't know anyone that played. So you posted that was like, oh, word. <laughs> had, had you played at all before then? No. That, I, was, that I, was your first that experience. That was my first uh, D&D experience, yes. I would not have known that, actually. That's what uh, everyone else in the group says, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it comes from the theatrical background. But Probably. No, uh, you jumped in with a character that was only slightly derivative. Uh-huh. Uh, so because we were doing pickup games... Yeah, you had... Like pre-made characters yes. set up for everyone. Uh, because I had no idea. I, I expected many people to be coming in not mm-hmm. knowing what they were doing. So yeah. I wanted to pre-gen characters. And uh, your character was Kroon. Tell the, us a bit about The Kroon. Goliath Paladin. Ironically, both characters that I had wanted got taken before that one. The first one I wanted was the Janasi Warlock. Okay. And then the second one I wanted was the Dragonborn Barbarian. I'm trying to imagine you as the Ganasi Warlock that versus the one we had in our campaign, and I'm sure the we'll hear more about that later. To be fair, just... at the time, I didn't realize you had already set him as fire. I wanted an air one. I would have let you switch it. Okay, that's fine. Um, but I wanted... An, I, basically, I wanted to make Genie from Aladdin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was the idea in my head. I... I like you. I'm glad that we get to talk about this because I like that a lot of the times you say, I want to make this character yeah, that already exists I, in the D&D but world. But then I like tweak it. And then oh, make no, it no. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. And it's always fun and interesting. So, like, I have so many characters that I've just made that are just pre-existing characters. Um, <laughs> so we, we could talk forever about the different types of races and classes and uh, ways that you can create the various Avengers in the D&D setting, but we're not going to get into that right now. Thought about it long and hard. Actually, we, maybe we will get into that. Maybe I'm just going to change the entire topic of this episode and talk about how to create other characters in... Iron Man is obviously a sorcerer okay. that uses a magic armor. Caps a fighter. But see, no, because there's the Artificer class now. That's true. There's a, there's now a class in D&D which does... See, that okay. didn't exist when no, I was... No, I'm scrapping <laughs> at literally every plan I had for this episode. We're talking okay. about... Th- we're talking about how to create pop culture characters in D&D now. That's fine. We're talking about versatility in Dungeons and & Dragons. That's today's topic. That's fine. Uh, I, gonna... I had used Artificer to make Rocket Raccoon. Not the current Artificer, the, the previous one that had like right, the, right, right. the Mechanical Servant. Mechanical Servant was going to be Groot. <laughs> okay, this is this is good and I like this a lot. And he has the, the, the Thunder Gun, the Thunder Cannon, which is basically Rocket's giant gun. Awesome. All right, so this is, this is good and now I know what we're talking about. But let's take a few steps backwards, actually. Uh, and let's act because 
many people listening to this podcast will know a lot about D&D, but I do hope we have some newer comers. Mm-hmm. So let's let's talk about this in a slightly more comprehensive manner rather than just rattling off <laughs> names and terms. Um, so if you listen to the first episode, you've heard some of these classes already. Um, but rather than going through a full comprehensive list of them, we'll just des- describe these classes as we go. Um so let's real quick rattle off the Avengers, and because then I do want to get to other characters okay. and see if I can throw some curveballs at you, Ethan. Okay, that's fine. I feel like I feel like you're gonna be very good at this. It's a fun <laughs> game for us to play. So let's go through. So we already had Iron Man. Um, so let's talk about Artificer for a second sure. because you mentioned Thunder Cannon and like <laughs> that's, Mechanical that's Servant. This is D and D. This is a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. What anything you be fl- reflavored? Is Ethan, whatever you, you want to go ahead and talk? Tell us what an Artificer is. An Artificer, uh, from what I've uh, learned separately was that originally it was just a uh subclass of wizard that they had created because apparently okay. in previous editions that's how it worked Great. but they decided uh to workshop it some more and make it its own class yes which is basically just a person that creates their own magical art uh items right and that's how the previous one worked they like at every like so many levels, they got to just have it's, a new magic item. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like the it's like the D and D world's version of a freelance creative person. Yeah, pretty much <laughs> someone who doesn't really have a th- like they have a thing which everyone goes, "Huh, I didn't realize it was possible." They just make cool stuff and other people use it. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, so that means it's very good for any kind of tinkerer. So with mm-hmm. anything, it does fit with Iron Man. Um, I think you could probably get a maybe like if you could talk with your DM, uh, let me flex while that. <laughs> Letting you like kind of have a mech suit version of your mechanical servant, yeah, where, that'd like, be awesome. You can like sort of not wear them as armor necessarily, but like kind of be in the same spot as them, and uh-huh. they can take hits for Occupy you, kind the of a same thing. Space. Yeah, or uh, they can even just make a shield guardian that would work uh, at yeah. higher levels. Shield guardians are uh, creatures which are large mechanical golem-like creatures that obey whoever's wearing the pendant that carries them. Mm-hmm. So that could work. So that's that's our Iron Man. It's a pretty <laughs> pretty easy sell for Iron Man. The thunder cannon works as his literal yes, hand cannon, exactly. And flight would he just have to enchant stuff to let him fly? Yeah. Cool. I mean, they already, as part of the mechanics, at least the the previous one, uh, at I think level thirteen, they get uh, they can if they choose, they get a list of items they can uh, create, and flying broom is one of them. Um, so <laughs> that's amazing. Um, let's talk about uh, my my personal favorite boy. Let's talk about Captain America. Captain America. How would you make Captain Captain America, America would. Probably, I, I want to say pure fighter, but I don't know if that covers it entirely. Right. Because, I mean, the main thing and, you got to get with him, obviously he can fight. Yeah. But his fighting is primarily fist fighting. Yeah. And, 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 fighters and are a usually... shield. But the shield, there's no real mechanics for using a shield as an offensive weapon. Would it, so fighters, as you can probably guess, are about... Fighting. fighting. They use they use swords and shields and bows and whatever they want to fight things. Any um, kind of weapon they can use. So the, the issue comes in with the only like the fist based class is yeah, that a would monk. Be monk. But monks, as you might guess, that doesn't really sound like cap. Uh, <laughs> monks are all about like they follow an order and it's about like perfection of self and you could sort of play off the super soldier serum yeah. like that. But it's also more about like I can like run across water and uh like channel my key to jump thirty feet in the air. Which yeah. Actually, now that the more I say it, does kind of sound like this is a good cap option. Yeah, maybe. The, okay, let's talk. about how how are we going to get an, an accurate um, like vibranium shield without just calling it a magical item? What well, I mean, there's there uh, adamantine exists in the D and D world, but, which is basically poor man's adamantium. Sorry, <laughs> but my question is rather, how would we justify the throwing and returning the of the throwing shield and returning that without would, bringing a magic? Is there a class magical. feature we could use to make a throwable shield? There's shield master, but that's not. What is what is Shieldmaster? Shieldmaster gives you the ability to uh, basically uh, it's 
a cheap version of the uh, rogue, which is the thiefy type character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rogue's evasion ability, where they can uh, basically use their shield in order to completely avoid area effect damage. Okay, okay. If they roll successfully. So what? So but if they don't roll successfully, they still take the full damage instead of half damage. Like so here's what you do: is you give him shield master, yeah. right? And you also give him proficiency with improvised weapons, so that he can make anything into like a thrown weapon. Mm-hmm. Now the returning is a bit of a that would be that'd yeah. be the tricky part. But I, I'm comfortable with you could put it on like a chain. And have him like be able to like pull <laughs> oh, I like that. and pull it back. Dude, a it shield wouldn't, it wouldn't be uh, exactly like Cap, but no, but, I, but it's a it's a viable thing. Uh, yeah. And before we move on from the Avengers, let's talk about one more someone who, uh, because obviously the Avengers are some people are very powerful. Iron Man and Cap are more like people with some extra abilities. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about people like uh, Thor, yeah, uh, how how would you build Thor? Thor is Paladin all the way. Okay, so Paladin <laughs> is a warrior of God, or in this case, I guess a God who is a warrior. Paladin all the way, or possibly multi-class with a uh, Storm Barbarian. Yes, uh, so Barbarians are all about rage, which is kind of where we're going to go for Hulk, uh, mm-hmm. but we're not going to discuss yeah, that obviously. anymore. That's that's that's, that's a given. Um, but uh, there's a new kind of barbarian in one of the more recent books, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which uh, allows you barbarians to get so mad they channel the storm. <laughs> uh, they yell so loud that lightning comes out. Yeah, which... there's, and you get like you get to choose between what kind of storm. Right. There's, like, so there's your traditional thunderstorm. There's a sandstorm, which basically gives you like heat and desert. Powers. Right, which is horrifying. And then there's a snowstorm. But in this case, Thor would obviously be thunderstorm. Yeah. Uh, so he would just need to be a a hammer based paladin because you can use divine smite and just for flavor with the It'd with be lightning and it would be lightning yeah. yeah and when you combine that with storm barbarian that works really well yeah. okay this is fun but now I'm gonna because you've thought about all this before yes. so I want to see who I can come up with okay shoot uh, a, a fun character I mean well let's let's do an easy one let's open with an easy one and I think this is now that we've already like rattled off all these fancy terms uh, let's go to someone that is not super duper far out there. That is probably an easy fit. Uh, let's go to Katniss Everdeen. Katniss Everdeen? Yeah. Uh, Ranger, probably. Exactly. So, and I don't know that much about her because I haven't read the books or seen the movies. I just but wanted, what I yeah. do know about her, she uses a bow and arrow. She does use a bow and arrow. And is very woodsy. Yes, uh, which is why I wanted to... It's a good way to discuss Ranger and get that in here real yes. quick. Katniss is the ideal, the model Ranger. She mm-hmm. uh, is, uses bow and arrow... She uses uh, kind of woodsy stuff. The only thing is that she doesn't have is uh, rangers get actual magic is the problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, rangers do get the ability to like. Uh, well, ra- if you wanna, in that case, okay. uh, the scout rogue. Okay. Gets no magic, but gets a lot of the similar ranger abilities. Okay, yeah, I'm into that. They get like they automatically get expertise in survival and uh, that actually probably makes something more else. sense then. I forget what it is. Also, rangers are much more versatile. Even though they say they're rangers and should be able to assume bow and arrow, mm-hmm. rangers can actually use yeah. sword and stuff as well, whereas scout does sound like it would be a much more of a distance kind mm-hmm. of fighter. Okay, I like that. And they have like special abilities like uh, for ambushing things or if they get up close, if they attack something uh, in melee, they can disengage for free. Okay, that's fun, yeah. Uh, it didn't even say disengage. It just says they can they can leave the enemy's uh, range without getting hit. Basically. Gotcha. I love that. Yeah. All right. You got you throw a character at me. I'm gonna I'm gonna play this game. This All right. Is fun. How about? I mean, I feel like all the ones that I'm like thinking off off the top of my head are like have obvious juxtaposition. Yeah. The, the yeah. thing is, it almost like, is a little too easy. Yeah. There's not they, a lot of tricky so, stuff. Because I was like, I almost said like, oh, Kenshin from Hironi Kenshin, but then there's a, there's there's a samurai a, there is fighter. literally a samurai fighter yeah. class. And then I was like, oh, go, nope, there's a Sun Soul Monk. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, like, and like any Jackie Chan film is just monk. I yeah, mean, we all know that. It's it's there's a type of monk specifically called Way of the Open Hand, which is all about perfecting the martial monkiest arts. monk. <laughs> uh, it's it's like the the Kill Bill stuff where you can like five point exploding palm technique. Yeah, literally is one of like it's called quivering palm in D anD D. But you yeah. hit someone so bad that later you decide you want them to die and they just do. That you and it lasts like I think like twenty four hours. Twenty four hours. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you can or just ten, maybe ten days even. I don't know. You can just choose when this effect takes. Yep. place and it just does like a massive amount of damage what time. a threat like i've planted <laughs> i've planted deadly vibrations in you and you do what i want or i'll literally make you die yeah <laughs> uh monks they're all about peace and harmony right yeah um all right so this this um this creating character game didn't have as many legs as i thought but we're off to a good start at the very <laughs> least so let's let's discuss other stuff about uh when it comes to character creation and we'll, we'll go back to the original topic i had planned for today which is Optimization versus role playing, mm-hmm. and the the idea here is that a lot of people play D anD D to optimize. They play D anD D because they want to be the best at D anD D or to win at D anD D. And there's very there's plenty of ways to break the game. There's plenty yeah. of ways to make characters that are so horrifically powerful because the rules D anD D allows you to do a lot of stuff mm-hmm. with the rules, but some rules they can't cover everything. So when you give them this many options, there are some things that are just like entirely game-breakingly devastating. And I'm actually going to... But um, I want to discuss the concept of you of what it means to be the best at D&D. Because I feel like it's a very common See, misconception. Yeah, that is. The problem is... Not problem, but uh, a slight hindrance is that because D&D is a game right. that people play, most people think of games as something to win yes that, yes but there really is no winning at D. i've had people ask me like how, how do you when, win when do you win how do yeah, you win there is yeah. no win there isn't yes it just goes until you are done right <laughs> and that to some people can be very discouraging yeah because some people want a win scenario and the thing is you don't want to mistake you can't win to or you don't want to mistake there is no win to you can't win mm-hmm. there are definitely there are plenty of wins it's just that's not the the i would say there you can win D. But when you do, it isn't the end of the game. Mm -hmm. A a perfect example is our campaign. We're going to talk about our campaign for a second because our campaign, uh, and I think probably most of our original listeners have probably played this (laughs) until until we branch out, um, spans uh, a series of different quests that all tie back to one quest. Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea is there's this ancient evil that is chained and uh, locked away and is threatening to escape and you're trying to find a way to uh, bury this evil forever or destroy it entirely. Mm -hmm. And to do this, you need to collect these various items or go to these various places, uh, depending on what route you take. And every kind of mission, every every section of this has its own, like, area of the game and its own kind of final boss. You you spent a, a long time in – I'm going to go with one of the earlier ones so I don't spoil too much for my earlier players. Uh-huh. You spent a long time in the Feywild, uh, yes. which is the land where fairies live, uh, serving fun. the whims of the Fey King Oberon. Uh-huh. And when you, when you finished there, uh-huh. you did win. You know, that I would say that you won in... Ish. Ish. I did accidentally kill someone that I didn't mean to. Okay, well, that's fair. You did. <laughs> that That did happen. Because Oberon gave Kroon the Vorpal Blade, which was awesome, and he was <laughs> totally about it, until we fought people that we didn't want to kill, and he rolled a natural 20, and that makes him automatically chop their head you off. You did decapitate a person. <laughs> that is true. Um, but but nonetheless... Well, and actually, that's more that, of yeah, a good... That's a exactly. Great yeah. example. You did... You had... A, I had an incredibly powerful weapon... Mm-hmm. That 
was a, a, an optimal weapon, mm-hmm. but roleplay wise, it was an incredible hindrance. Right, and you completed <laughs> your objective. Yes, so you won, but there were downsides there to that because not everything's a complete victory. Uh-huh. So yeah, so there's not always a win condition, and uh, for that reason, I think personally, my personal opinion is I don't like optimizing characters. Mm-hmm. Whenever people ask, "Oh, what should I do with a character?" I say, yeah, "You do whatever makes yeah. sense to you." You know, mm-hmm. but there's a balance to that. And I think it's a balance you're generally very good at finding, which is one of the reasons I wanted to talk, talk to you about That's this. That's probably the moment that I realized optimization was probably not the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> because up until that, because I was so new to D&D, up until that point, I was like all about making Kroon as like physically powerful as I could. Right. And then he became as physically powerful as he could and he f***ed everything up. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a very good point. Because uh, he felt really bad at that point. Like uh, he didn't, he really felt bad about it at this. Yeah, point. he like went and like tr- it was a, a, a rival faction that they were a part of, but we didn't like want to have direct hostilities with them. Mm-hmm. So he like actually tried to like make amends with them later in the game. Right. Then I love that. See, what was interesting about Kroon was, like I said at the beginning, I was very trying to optimize him, but at the same time. I was, for all the roleplay aspects of him, I was trying to make him as subversive as possible to what was expected of a, of a usual paladin. Yes. Because I gave him the background of he used to be a barbarian. So he was just a terrible paladin. Right. <laughs> uh, but that, too, came into the roleplaying aspect yeah. of it. Um, which I'm going to actually now bring to this point, because later in Kroon's journey, mm-hmm. he encountered someone from his backstory. And this yes. was This was a character that I sort of, you gave me the premise for, mm-hmm. like, the, like, I want this to have happened. I said, ooh, is it cool if this is the character that did yeah. it? And I kind of gave you some information on this this uh, big, bad, uh, half-undead minotaur thing that, like, ruined your whole life. And Was he half-undead? Uh, y- yeah. He had, like, a, a sort of skullish face, but you didn't really... Yeah, you didn't know he was yeah. half-undead. It wasn't very relevant. Yeah, but yeah. It, wasn't, it didn't really come up other than his, like, um, his snout was missing. And the, the time came where you fought him uh-huh which was like the the thing like this is vengeance this yes. was this this guy killed the person you loved uh and you killed him you won and then you died actually i died before that oh oh Wait, no you're yeah. you're so right yeah it was because he wasn't dead that well that came into what came later but i one of his underlings killed me because uh ethan the player was dumb and didn't heal himself. True. Yes. Af- as soon as the battle was over, and went to go explore, and then someone. <laughs> it was, no, it was mid battle. You went chasing after a person without healing. That's yourself. right. Um, but nonetheless, this it's been a while. And then guys. I got someone came out of nowhere and killed me when I had like three hit points left. Yeah, it was it was pretty <laughs> rough. But the reason I bring this up is because death is not permanent in the D&D world. Yes. Uh, resurrection is a possible thing, but. This when they tried to resurrect you, mm-hmm. I had to talk to you because one mm-hmm. of the one of the important points of resurrection is if the person is willing to come back. Sometimes a soul does not want to come back. And what was Kroon's reason for not wanting to come back? Uh that he was with the woman he loved, or he was about to be. Because his whole reason for becoming a paladin was that the woman he loved was a paladin. And he in his uh dumb head he thought that the only way to see her again was to die the same way she did as a paladin protecting someone which is exactly how you died uh-huh. so croon was in the canon of this world now admittedly keep in mind you're already dead which most yeah. people consider a lose scenario yeah exactly i don't think you lost at all no um that was croon was for unknowns to the rest of the party but croon was like borderline suicidal he just didn't want to do it himself right 
So when they were doing this ritual to bring you back and you'll, uh, I do the Matt Mercer thing where it's not even a short thing. They have to yeah. like, they have, have to, to all try to their best to bring them back and say words for the departed. You told me that uh, you weren't going to come back. Yes. And I had not planned on coming back. I basically said, throw me a text if you change uh, your mind. I had a, a backup character all ready to go. Oh, yeah. It was going to be one of the uh, the pirates who switched sides. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, that was a whole adventure. <laughs> Man, the water, that was nuts. Um, <laughs> then our, our group's rogue, who Kroon had bonded with, in the ritual said that they were going to fulfill Kroon's vengeance by killing the Minotaur. And Kroon, upon hearing that, realized... They're going to get themselves killed, mm-hmm. probably doing right. trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he didn't want anyone else to die for him. That's so cool. See, that's I live for moments like that because that if that had gone the other way uh-huh. and what something had said had convinced you that you were good to stay, that mm-hmm. would have just been it. Yeah. Uh, and that would be the end of Kroon, but not the end of you because you can always make yeah. a new character and uh, jump in. D&D goes on. That's the Jeb thing. was his name. Jeb. <laughs> what a great name. He was a, a rogue gunfighter. I uh, multiclassed him. <laughs> Love it. Uh, and we never never got to meet him. Never Jen got to meet him. Because Kroon came back and kicked butt. Yep. Um, I want to tell you an anecdote. Sure. That happened with Kroon in another campaign. <laughs> I keep asking you if Kroon's in the other campaign. You're all, you always play it down. Uh, so, well, <laughs> usually it's not a very large part of it, but in this okay. one it was. Okay. So another one of my groups, uh, who I know is listening to this podcast, recently went through that same arc. And Kroon was there. Mm-hmm. The reason Kroon was there is because, so there's two different factions, two opposing factions in this campaign. And all I'm trying to do is tell a story. Yeah. And the the faction they chose is the opposite of the ones you guys chose. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm trying not to spoil too much for anyone who might play this campaign later on. So I'm not going to talk too much about the details. But none, I decided to bring, rather than create a bunch of new random NPCs for this op- opposing faction, I decided to just use your player characters from your campaign. <laughs> so one of them was Kroon. Okay. And it was in the middle of this giant boss fight against the the captain and his officers. Uh, of note, for those listening, the captain is not the Minotaur guy. That is one of the officers. And Kroon had just, like, pit- resurrected uh, the party's uh, sorcerer. Which is very interesting because my crew did not have resurrection. <laughs> I, I did give... I, I, uh, no, no, or sorry. Revivify. It actually wasn't Revivify. Sorry, it was oh. um, it was just a... Uh, just a, a healing? Yeah, it was a healing spell. Okay. So he ran over, and the two of them, Kroon had one hit point, uh-huh. and this guy now had like seven hit points, which for those who don't know D&D is not a lot. Um, <laughs> and it was literal, like genuine backs to the wall, like wall on one side, giant invisible minotaur on oh, the other fine. side. Yeah, he had cast greater invisibility, so he was invisible. Yeah. And the sorcerer, this was one of my players, um, and I, this is one of my new favorite stories. He, he turns to me out of game and he says, do you know how the rules for oil work? Mm-hmm. And I say, uh, not really. Educate me. This is a guy who he's been playing D&D for, he's like 15. He's been playing D&D for a long time and he like knows the rules. He's very, very like, there's a, a term called rules lawyer. And yeah. he's, he's not, he's not bad. He's not yeah. like a stickler about it, but he knows the rules. Mm-hmm. And... He says, so according to this, uh, a flask of oil can be thrown as a weapon, which can coat someone or coat an area. And then once lit on fire, any fire, source fire does an extra five points of fire damage if it's coated in oil. Mm -hmm. Now, there is a rule in this saying it doesn't stack, but liberties can be taken. Uh, And he says, earlier I was doing a shopping trip and you told me I could just buy whatever regular resources I want if I spent the gold for it. In that time, I spent five gold pieces on oil flasks. Mm Mm-hmm. An oil flask costs five silver pieces. Um, <laughs> okay. No, not five. Sorry. One, 
One silver piece. So they had a lot of oil. A silver piece is... Uh, ten silver pieces is a gold piece. So that was 50 flasks of oil. Uh-huh. Uh, another item you need to know about for this story is a bag of holding, ah. which you can put lots of stuff inside and it exists in an existential pocket. And if you flip this bag inside out, everything comes pouring out of it. Mm-hmm. So he explained the rules of oil to me. And then he says, I turn to Kroon and I look up at Kroon and I say, are you, re- are you willing to die for this? Mm-hmm. And he didn't realize the significance <laughs> of asking Kroon that question when uh-huh. it came to this character. Oh. Um, he had seen Kroon go into like kind of a rage uh-huh. and go for this guy, but he didn't really get the full story. So I had Kroon look at him and say, I came here to die for this. Uh-huh. Um, and did you use Kroon's voice? Uh, I did. Yes. <laughs> I, I did the whole character voice and everything. Um, nice. And... He says, he turns to me and he says, I invert my bag of holding and cast fireball at the ground. So what he was doing was putting 50 flasks of oil at uh-huh. ground zero and making a large flaming explosion, uh-huh. which was just the coolest martyrdom move ever seen. <laughs> and it did work. Uh, it did. It melted his shield guardian and most of his equipment. It killed the officer and he and Kroon survived. How? So it wasn't enough damage to kill them outright, uh, but it was enough to send them into death saves, and uh, another healer managed to get to them in time. That's amazing. It was absolutely absurd, and everyone was going, <laughs> everyone was going nuts. It was so cool. Again, at this point, I'd imagine I've completely lost anyone who does not play D&D, but death saves are, if your character hits zero hit points, you're not dead, you're just dying, and then you can make some saving throws by rolling the d20, um... Ten or higher, you succeed. Nine or lower, you fail. With three failures, you die. And with three successes, you succeed. Uh, are alive. And if you he- uh, anyone heals you any hit points in that time, you're automatically stabilized and you're fine. So I just wanted to share that story with you in real time. Yeah, that's time. great. I love that. Oh god, it is so good. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell so many stories of cool things my kids have done. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that was fun. Um, so let's do let's let's close it off with uh, a little activity. Okay. So we've talked a lot about character creation. We've mm-hmm. talked a lot about um, optimization versus uh, otherwise. And uh, usually I would go into the kind of D&D advice segment. But again, we're still pretty early and I'm recording these episodes with a backlog. Send questions. Send questions to uh, natural19podcast at gmail.com. That is 19, the, the digits 19. Natural19podcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions. But... Until then, uh, I want to play a little game where sure. I want to make a campaign concept based on the stuff we've talked about today. Okay. Uh, I like creating concepts for campaigns beyond just like, there's an evil thing and you need to fight it. And oftentimes that's enough for a campaign. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you can build a campaign with the players and do something specific in mind. So using the concept of role-playing versus optimization, using what could you do to make characters that are specifically not optimized that could make for an interesting campaign, like a concept that would force players to make non-optimized roleplay-focused characters. Um, this is sort of something I've heard before, but not sure. to this extent. Uh, have the characters wake up with amnesia, like just okay. together, and so they don't actually know what they are. So they don't even know their own strengths and weaknesses. Yes. Does the DM decide that, or you can either have the DM decide it or have them like sort of like it up along the way oh wait can we do this sure what do you got i like the amnesia Uh but you tell the players okay what you do is you create a character sheet in its entirety Mm -hmm. and you give it to me Mm -hmm. this is not your character sheet. the players create the characters for each other oh so and then you can find out like later on like they can even find it later on if you want to do it like oh maybe like it was a body swap thing or Uh maybe it was just like a fun mechanic yeah but so they don't know what stats they have Mm -hmm. and they're creating you say you're creating a character that isn't for you so don't worry about making it as best as possible. Uh-huh. Um, 
And then, yeah, that could be fun. Another potential would be, um, so this is a concept I've had before in a few different ways, but what if it's like post-apocalyptic version of a D&D world? Mm. So to the point where like humanity is on its way out and yeah. the other race is like there, like monsters have taken over. One of those big bad evil guys rose up and the heroes failed, failed. and, they, and they, they botched it. And so the, the last kind of cloister of humanity is kind of huddled away somewhere and the gods decide, well, these are our chosen people now. Mm-hmm. So the people who survived aren't the people like the heroes. The heroes all died fighting this thing. They're like the peasants and the regulars mm-hmm. who have pretty bad stats and pretty weak of everything. They're just everyone that's left. And the, yeah, exactly. It's it's all that remains, which uh-huh. is my new canon name for this campaign is All That Remains. <laughs> Sounds like a 90s grunge band. It does. In fact, I think it is a 90s grunge It might grunge be band. a 90s grunge band. Um, this episode sponsored by All That Remains the 90s grunge band um but no and so what happens is the gods basically give each person one like boon mm-hmm. and that boon might be strength in that person so like if the stats the stats range from three which is like or like one which is like the worst you can be without being yeah. dead to 20 which is like the height of human capacity so like if all your stats are like average as heck just like as average as they could be and then and one, one of your of stats is like 24 like 20. yeah and it's like absurdly high and like one person's strength one person is like magic and like they're given like these absurd magical powers so you get these horrifically unbalanced characters mm-hmm. that are good at exactly one thing that's great uh, that, like could be, that could be fun. That, I think, is going to do it for us. Okay. Um, so, yeah, this has been Natural 19. Uh, if you like what you heard here, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is our best advertisement. And uh, if you want to liven up the show a little bit, feel free to send in some suggestions or please, uh, any advice you need, whether you're a player in a difficult situation or a DM with a difficult player, uh, uh-huh. feel free to <laughs> send us they in some... They both exist. <laughs> oh, they're both very real. Potentially both. I look forward to the day when we get... I know someone who's both. <laughs> I look forward to the day when a, a player sends us a, a difficulty they're having and the DM sends us a problem with the same player. Um, uh, but, you know, send, send us your questions. Uh, once again, that is going to be natural19podcast at gmail.com. And check back uh, soon for the next episode of this podcast. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, thanks. Do you, Ethan, do you have anything you want to you wanna sign off with? Uh, I was just about to ask you if you have like a, a special sign off yet. I don't yet. And I'm, I'm really, last time I brainstormed these we, we do have to figure out a kitschy sign off phrase. Um, I'm wondering if we can like, rather than a sign off phrase, we can do like a sign off with like, uh, so we're going to start with this. This will be, all right, new sign-off tradition. I ask a weirdly, like, specific D&D-themed question to my guest, and they answer it, and that's that's our closing. Uh, and my question for you is this, is if you could have one of the six D&D attributes, it is relevant, mm-hmm. one of the six D&D attributes at a 20 in your in real, real life, life, what would you pick? Oh, I don't know. Um, Charisma. Charisma, yeah. absolutely. Yes. Yes. I'm charisma a twenty charisma is 100%. such a powerful hundred percent. Being a you can convince anyone of anything. You can yes. scare the living dead. Oh my gosh. I love it. <laughs> I, I think I agree completely. That would yeah. be incredible. All right, cool. Well, this has been Natural 19, and I'll catch you guys next time. Take care. <laughs>